the blast from our past network. Conrad? Conrad! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! No good for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> We're two super fans, and I'm doing my best Bette Midler impression. Perfect. Uh, absolutely we're, perfect. We're two super fans giving you every single episode of Seinfeld back to back because we love this stuff. I'm Adam. I'm Corey. That was terrible. That, that was terrible. worse than mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I am not a singer at all. <laughs> all right. Today we are talking season six, episode 23, the last episode of season six. It is entitled The Understudy. It first aired May 18th, 1995. Corey, my man. Please give us the synopsis. Yeah, buddy. The understudy, originally named The Injury. I don't know oh, why really? they changed it. Yeah. I didn't I know that. It was on the IMDb that's not, that's, thing. It's not on the Wikipedia. Yeah. It was on the IMDb trivia thing. Because I was looking on that oh. for to see like why Bet like see if there's like information on like why Bet Midler did this episode. And yeah, nothing. So all right, we'll get to that. Huh. Uh the understudy is what it's called. Jerry and George are accused of injuring Bet Midler during a softball game so that Jerry's girlfriend, her understudy, can take the stage in their Broadway show. Longest sentence ever. Elaine convinces Frank Costanza to translate her manicurist's suspicious conversations. Depressed, Elaine meets Jay Peterman on the street and lands herself a new job. Well, that's a spoiler alert, for God's sakes. (laughs) Yes, it is. You didn't have to include that last sentence. 26 years later, spoiler alert. They should have done hashtag spoiler alert. (laughs) All right. And we start off with a, oh, wait. No, we don't. (laughs) What the fuck? Oh, man. Is this going to be things to come? I think so. And it felt really awkward right away. It did. Almost as awkward as a crying girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we're at the apartment. Have you cry? All right. Before. All right. All right hold on. We'll get into all right, at the beginning where we start off at the apartment <laughs> and Cherry and his girlfriend are watching beaches. And specifically, you know, they're at the wind beneath my wing section, which Bette Midler is, is singing. And this lady is just bawling, crying about it. Um, and we get some internal monologue from Jerry about, like, oh, what do I do with this? And he's like, you know what? No, I'm going to refuse to help. And you kind of brought this up last episode where he's taking a stand on some of these kind of eh, regular social norms that people would do. And it's nice getting a voiceover because, as we've discussed, yeah. they work and we don't hate them. Yeah. I mean, we I remember when we first saw them, I think it was in season one, <laughs> we were like, oh, man, this is not a Seinfeld thing. This is weird. And then we kept seeing it like, okay, this is more of a Seinfeld thing than we thought. <laughs> yeah. And so just kind of keeping it going. And um, But why was he sitting on the chair and not on the couch with her? That is the weird part. When you're on a date, you sit next to them. So you have the opportunity for touchy-touchy. That's yeah. the main reason to sit next to somebody in a movie when you're on a date. Yeah, especially when it's at your house. you No one watches a movie to watch a movie on the first like few dates, you do it to make out. Especially Beaches. Have you seen that movie? Fuck no. I don't watch that kind of Actually, shit, man. You know as well as I do. My dad took me to see Aliens when I was fucking eight years old, and it's no going back from that. Well, I thought maybe your mom tied things out and put you, you know, had you watch Beaches or some other shit. Yeah, no. My mom was not a big movie person. I don't get any sort of oh. movie stuff with my mom. Interesting. I actually haven't seen Beaches either, but like... I just know it's such a female movie. I've never actually had the urge to watch I, it. I just hate crying. So I don't watch things that I specifically know is made to make you cry. Like any dog movie 
The dog's eventually going to die at the end, so I don't go see them and because I don't want to cry. I hate crying. My wife makes fun of me because I don't cry, and I hate it. And when I do cry, it's such a horrible, horrible experience for me. But she's like, just cry. Just get it out and cry. I'm like, no, that's insane. Like, you lose all control of your body? This is this is horrible. I hate crying. See, I, 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 and we might have had this discussion before, but I like to cry during a movie. I like a movie that can hit me in those ways. And I'm not a big crier. I don't get like the blubbery, <laughs> like kind of crying. I just, I will shed some tears, but I like when a movie can do that to me. Um, now, how are you when other people cry? Are you good at consoling them? I mean, I'm not as bad as Jerry. Like, if, if Myra is crying or something like that, but, you know, I, I, I don't... If it's not somebody that I know, then I don't really want to be around that because I don't know what to do. I will say, I'm not quite Jerry's level, but it does make me feel awkward. I'm just like, uh, what do I do? How, how do I help? I want to just... I want to make this stop as fast as I can. Now, the problem is Jerry's taking a stand and he's choosing not to help. I will try and get in there and be like, what do you need? Can I make you laugh? Ha 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 ha. Can I do yeah. something? Yeah. Can I do something to make it stop? Like, and I've, I've been a manager before and I've had people cry to me in meetings. And I'm just like, uh, please don't, don't cry. This is a fucking, God damn it. We're in a professional like setting. Do not, God damn it. And then I don't know what to do. And so I have to, do I awkwardly hug them? Or is that weird because I'm a male and they're a female and I'm not allowed to touch them as their manager? So you I just start know. like I dancing don't... in your chair and being like, does this help? Am I a dancing monkey? Does this help you? <laughs> yeah. You are, dude. Honestly, this discussion from you is a very Larry David sort of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I you're, connected you're kind of with that scene. You're a psychopath. I, no. Fuck you. No. I just connected. I connected with that scene a little bit. So. You connected right. with the wrong part. You connected with Jerry, not with her. <laughs> yeah, Beaches is not going to make you fucking cry, especially when they're, it's literally just like a music video that they're listening to right now. Oh, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I guarantee. And so I do want to say that as much as I hate crying, I do cry very easily in movies. Um, I get I get into the film and everything like that. And if something, it's usually more like if something sweet happens or whatever. Not gonna lie, I've teared up a lot in Brooklyn Nine Nine, especially with like the the Peralta and Holt uh, relationship that 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 they have. You know, like that sort of like pseudo dad thing. There's been some moments where I was like got a little choked up at it, you know, and thought it was sweet. Yeah, I mean, okay. You're like, no, you're like, not a, never in a sitcom. No, <laughs> uh, no, nah, nah, yeah. sitcoms don't ever do it for me. Okay, all right. Yeah. I'm a sap. I can, I can tear up at commercials, too. All right, my sociopathic and psychopathic <laughs> tendencies aside, the next day he tells George, you know, that you know, she was all upset that he didn't console her. Uh, Kramer comes in. We find out that the improv softball team is going to be playing against the Rochelle Rochelle, the musical team. And the first thing in my head is, why the fuck is George on the team? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, why? Wait, wasn't there a reference to him being on the team like seasons ago? But yeah, ultimately, why is he on the team? He's not a part of the improv you're yep. right. The seasons ago, there was a thing I do remember where they talked about playing on the same baseball team. But, like, he works for the Yankees. Um, he only knows these improv people through Jerry. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like Kramer has as much of a say, or if not more, as to be on this team. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, they have established that George knows some of the people, you know, at the um, – at the improv, but also doesn't know him all that well because he freaked out about the uh, the improv co or the prop comic who had the gun, and so he doesn't mm. know that he was a prop comic, even That's though true. everybody else yep. seemed to know. So, I, so it's it's inconsistent, yep. and it's bothering me that he would be on this team. It it didn't bother me, but now well, I can see. It. But now I can see it, and now I, I can't. <sighs> and now I can't not think about it. And because you're right, you're 100 percent right. It should yeah. just be. He, George should have been on, well, but I know a lot of the plot has to do with him. Um, but yeah, no, 100% well, correct, bro. You're not right. wrong at all. And now I'm going to be my own devil's devil's advocate <laughs> because I played on softball teams uh, for a friend of mine. Uh, he had like a church softball team and I sure shit didn't go to church and I don't go to church, uh, but I played with him because I, you know, uh, he wanted, he needed somebody else. And so I joined, um, but 
I wasn't a part of that group. So you know what? Maybe they just needed somebody and George was down. And, and George is a catcher, which is a very specific sort of like uh, position. So maybe they were like, I wish Jerry would have said, hey, we're down a catcher. Can you play this weekend in the tournament? George had been like, oh, yeah, I got nothing going on. Sure oh, thing. That would have been way funnier if he was just a you know, um, an extra person who jumped in and played on this one and wasn't a full blood part of the team. That would have, that would have been more funny. I would have loved that because of all the damage he's going to cause in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do like the callback to Rochelle, Rochelle, uh, the musical, you know, obviously this was a movie, a fake movie. Um, you know, a young girl's, uh, erotic journey from Melinda Minsk. And so that's kind of funny. They they should have titled this episode The Callback because there are so many callbacks in this episode. There are. Uh, Kramer's super excited to possibly see Bette Midler. We're kind of realizing here that he is a he's a hyper fan, if you yeah. will. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, also find out that the girl that Jerry's dating is actually Bette Midler's understudy. And she has a name, but I didn't even really fucking hear it, so I'm just going to be calling her the understudy the rest of the <laughs> this episode. Yeah, it's like so. Adelaide or something. Um, it does yeah. not matter. But I love how Kramer says, understudies, the substitute teacher of the theater world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just kind of there. Oh, Adelaide is actually the actress. Oh, uh, Janice. Okay. Janice is the is the character, and she doesn't have an IMDb picture. So, like, I had a hard time figuring out who the fuck she like, which one she was. Yeah, exactly. She has. She's only done like four other things, and they're all small parts. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, all right. At the nail salon. No, Elaine wait, wait a minute. Is, Hold on, what? real quick. I. At the end of this scene, when Jerry's talking about how he's like, I wish I could tell somebody that I didn't like what they did or something like that. And oh, he yeah. does this weird monologue when he's walking out the door. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, 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 and I, but, I didn't write it down because I didn't like it. I know. And I fucking hated it. So he's doing this weird monologue. It goes too long. Kramer and George already left the room. He's just talking to air if this is, you know, a real scenario. And it's just like, and even the audience didn't know to laugh because, like, he didn't look at the camera. So it's like, even the audience was like, are are you talking to us? Is this a mom? Like, what is this? And that was fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It did not fit. And ultimately, I'm going to be saying that a lot this episode. This just didn't feel like a Seinfeld episode. And that is absolutely one part of that. Yeah. Yep. So at the nail salon, Elaine's a bit late and uh, these Korean ladies all kind of like make fun of her and call her a princess and ha ha ha. Um, She's very curious what they're saying because it seems like they're laughing behind her back. My only note for this scene, is this racist? Like, I I, I don't know because a lot of nail salons, I, I mean, I don't go to a lot, but I do see that Asian women work in nail salons. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Or they, yeah, they run them, they own them, that kind of thing. Yeah, you, yeah, me too. Same thing. I see the same thing. But I don't know this. Yeah, I, I don't know about this whole storyline. I don't know if it's racist or not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not getting that it's racist. Okay, so, all right. But I could be ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us out there, guys and gals. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's your two favorite podcast hosts, Adam and Corey from Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and we have something very exciting to tell you about. That's right. We have decided to take on not just Seinfeld, but also Curb Your Enthusiasm, exclusive to our Patreon feed. So that means every single month we go episode by episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the fun thing is, I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm before, so I am super excited to go down this road with you, Adam. But even better, when you join at the Curb Your Enthusiasm tier, you also unlock the complete back catalog of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, totally ad-free. So you get Seinfeld, you get Curb, and you get Adam and Corey. What else could you want? I don't know, maybe to dip my bald head in oil and rub it all over your body? Uh, I'm sorry, Corey. That's another tier. We're not ready for that yet. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. All right. Well, now back to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. All right. At the softball game, Elaine explains the whole situation to Jerry about what she just dealt with at the salon. He suggests that she go in with someone who speaks Korean. And you know who speaks Korean? Frank Costanza. 
Uh, we know he was actually in the Korean War um, from previously where he was a, a chef. No, that's the- going to come later. Well, fine, it'll come fucking later. <laughs> we know that he is the Korean <laughs> We know it, yeah. It's- <laughs> but, well, they, they set it up that he apparently did a lot of business there. So yeah, there we yeah. go. He was selling, like, yeah, like religious Little trinkets. Jesus things. Or For yeah. a Jewish family, it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's No, that's actually, it's actually pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. But also shows, like, you know, they don't, they're not all that religious. Like, they're like, they, you know, the, the hit the major shit, but yeah. they're not, like, super intense. I mean, because obviously they're not kosher. George isn't kosher. Um, yeah. And they're not, uh, you know, yeah, they're, they're not super devout with a lot of their stuff. Yeah, and so. a lot of uh, references to uh, Reverend Sung Young Moon in this episode. And uh, I didn't I know didn't who, I didn't know who he was, but I knew the name. Like, I recognized the name, but I didn't know who the fuck he was. Like, it's, yeah, sometimes it's just You're like, right. He said he talked to the Reverend Sun Myung Moon, uh, who was a Korean religious leader, also known for his business ventures and support for political causes. So maybe he bought some of those, a lot of those Jesus figurines. <laughs> yeah. Um, a Messiah claimant. Oh, he so he claimed he was a Messiah. Mm. Uh, he was the founder of the unification movement, widely noted blessing or mass wedding ceremony, whatever. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So another nut job who thought he was extra special just because he thought he could talk to God or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much like every every religious person ever. Um, and then probably milked it, but I don't know. But I do remember. Oh yeah, dude, I should do that, man. I should fucking oh, yeah. talk about. Oh no, just we should like totally bank. Yeah, we should totally turn into like a, a religious podcast and just can we'll we get rich. We, we'll get well, fucking rich doing that, dude. The cult of Seinfeld, baby. That's <laughs> one thing. That is a church that I I will pray to every night. <laughs> I'm with you right there, bro. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Sung Young Moon. I remember hearing his name in the 90s, but oh, well. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we see that uh, uh, Jerry's girlfriend, who makes way too big a deal that her Frankfurter, one, she calls it a Frankfurter <laughs> yeah. and not a hot dog. I wrote that down. Who says Frankfurter instead of a yeah. hot dog? I would only accept Frankfurter if it was like an entire, like a foot long. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not. It was a regular <laughs> yeah. goddamn hot dog. Exactly. Uh, but it falls and she cries. And I'm just like, Jesus, fuck, this person is too sensitive. And by the way, did you notice this episode? Jerry Seinfeld, the actor, sounds congested the entire episode. Like, he actually yeah. sounds like he's sick. And I'm just like, it, I just noticed it. And then I was like, he sounds weird. I think he's fucking congested this episode, which I... d- does not add to my enjoyment level of it. I did not notice that, but I don't know. Maybe subconsciously, it it hurt my enjoyment level of the episode too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but maybe yes. subconsciously, Jerry hated this fucking script and uh, got sick. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But uh, so he has to console her very begrudgingly. Uh, and the crowd, though, did you? The crowd in this background at this scene fucking loved it. They were all about him having to forcibly go console her, and I was just like, well, it's not that funny. Yeah. How okay. do they do the? How do they do that for um, outdoor shots? Do they play it in front, like on a t- like a screen, and get the laughter, or is it totally canned? Like, is it totally? Yeah, they've I've I've heard that they'll do it both ways. So I haven't worked on a show like this that'll do that, but I have heard that sometimes that they will play it for people. Um, for like a studio audience at the end record, you know, when they're close to the absolute done of the cut and then record that because we've had some other episodes yeah. or scenes like that where things have been on the outside of a door and we've heard like a lady like laugh particularly loud. Um, and it was, and it felt seemed like it fit very well with the scene. And so it didn't feel canned. And this one maybe also is not canned. And so maybe they were watching the cut. They had to have watched the cut. Because how else would they have understood that he hated being next to her for so much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, or, or yeah, like they consoling had her. I mean, be, yeah. being being consoling, you mm-hmm. know, being that kind of um, person. So and maybe, maybe they showed it to them last or something. They could have seen the scene yeah. like last. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, good call, good point. So, yeah. And otherwise, it can just be canned. But you probably wouldn't have gotten this kind of reaction. It would have from been yeah, a canned. It would have been more of a generic one. And we saw uh-huh. something similar for when. Um, uh, Estelle was in traction because uh, mm. we know that Fran Dresser uh, sat in on the the read when they sh- when they did it in front of the audience, and yeah. so they took the they they didn't roll cameras other than for like sort of behind the scenes stuff, but they took the laugh from that, and then when they shot this the scene with Jason Alexander and uh, Estelle Costanza, there was no one there. They put the the laugh track on top of it, and you know it's the case because. Because 
the audience laughs during a part where Estelle doesn't pause, but Fran Drescher paused because she heard the, because the pause wasn't in the script. She uh. heard the audience do it. And then in this part, the audience kind of, cause you don't, they don't cut it. They have to just keep everything sort of exactly timed out the same. So the yeah. audience, when Estelle sort of does the scene, this audience laughs over her dialogue because there was no gotcha. audience there. And I was just curious how this one, if it was similar, like, did they maybe even block it out on set? Like, they might have even just blocked it out on set, had them, like, in their plain clothes and everything just do the scene. Maybe. And then they took that, and all just to take that laugh track and put it onto the other one. I don't know. It's it would very be nice possible. If, yeah. If anyone knows uh, sitcom shit, let us know. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. I do find this... I do find the minutia of how the, of all this stuff is created. I do find it very interesting. Yeah, I agree. All right, and unfortunately, I just don't know enough. You know, yeah. I know some, but not really all that much. You and I, yeah, we're, we both have film yeah. backgrounds and everything, but we know enough to kind of like see things, but then we don't have the full answer. Basically, yeah, yeah. You know, we can sound like we know what we're talking about, but we don't know all that much. <laughs> In so. fact, we know very little <laughs> about <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> yeah, but we know a lot about Seinfeld. So let's get back to that. <laughs> All right. In comes Bette Midler and Kramer is all excited and he goes and talks to her um, and, you know, he wants to help her out, you know, get something for her. She wants some Italian ice and she wants pineapple. Uh, So he runs over to try and get pineapple, but that guy doesn't have it. So he keeps going to try and find the next one. There's going to be a lot of fucking quick scenes in this episode. Yeah, a lot. A lot of fake Kramers running through New York. Although it's <laughs> the fake Kramer in this episode is infinitely better than the fake Kramer. Yeah. I think two, three seasons ago that we saw. Yeah, we saw him like get off like the uh, subway or some shit, yeah. and he was like running. It was like that's not Michael Richards at all. No, this one, this fake Kramer, infinitely better than that one. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, uh, Elaine talks with Frank. Uh, in monks about trying to help her out and you know she'll she's offering him hey i'll get you a manicure maybe a pedicure he freaks out at the idea of a pedicure which is kind of funny you know doesn't take his shoes off for anybody he's got between uh the two of them he's got smelly feet like a fungus or something and (laughs) elaine and frank the most unlikely duo Uh, they're they make for one of my absolute favorite scenes (laughs) and everybody i think everybody loves this one this is one of just the best moments in Seinfeld is, you know, the, you want a piece of me? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you and, and, got it. And, and, I can't and fa- wait for that. And I would almost say that the outtakes of that scene are now more oh famous. God. It's because like yeah. with, with social media, people love showing those outtakes and I've seen them now probably more than I've seen the scene itself. And it's, it's yeah. almost just as famous. And that might, that might be in like the, um, you know, some of the, the ending highlights that we're going to get right yeah. before the finale. Yeah. I think that's where we'll see that. And yes, like those, Frank just fucks it up so much. That it's, it's hilarious. Great. It's great. And Elaine, I think Elaine's the one that laughs a lot. Because uh, yeah. apparently uh, she, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, she laughed yeah. a lot on set. And sometimes you would even see uh, behind the scenes, Michael Richards would get a little bit annoyed at her uh, sometimes. I think the famously, the scene where he electrocutes himself uh, trying to open the door with the meat, you know, the meat slicer. He's like, mm. oh, I'm going to lose that fingernail. That's the scene that like he tried to get through and she kept laughing. And I think he kind of got annoyed with her a little bit yeah fair enough all right bet midler is up to bet bet at the bat and uh george smack talks her pretty damn good (laughs) she's like wind beneath my wings give me a break (laughs) i love it (laughs) and they end up striking her out in a softball game man you're not that good if you get struck out in softball i'm just throwing that out there i I mean she's bet midler she doesn't need to be good at softball (laughs) no so, all right, uh, Frank, we find out apparently had an affair with a Korean woman while he was out there in business. We're just getting some little, again, quick scenes. Like here, we're getting like, okay, couple sentences here, couple sentences at the next spot, couple yeah. sentences back. Michael Richard Kramer running through the city, yep. looking for ice. Yeah, yep. Cut back, cut yes. back. Yep. All that shit. So uh, Kramer then gets, he does find the pineapple and he starts running back. Uh, bet returns the smack to George while she's at bat on <laughs> yeah, the plate great. or she's catching while he's at bat, which I think is, she does a good job. She's like, you know, we're at the shrimp farm or whatever the hell she says, <laughs> which I love. That's, and that's a great callback. I think to the, you know, uh, the shrimp stuff. Um, yes. b- but yeah, 
I'm not gonna make any bones. I, I don't. I don't love this episode, but we'll talk about in at the end. But yep. I do love Bette Midler and George's like mini feud. I think that especially since George is not a celebrity, so it's. I think it's fun. Agreed. And you're right. There's a lot that I do not care for with this episode, but that is good. And again, God damn it! In hindsight. If you could have added the extra little bit that he would have been a uh, a stand-in for this episode or whatever, or for this uh, for this game, Team. like he would have been a fill-in, that would have been even better. 100% agreed. 100% agreed because it would have made his overall aggression uh, uh, so much more like entertaining. Now, the reason that there is no stand-up for this episode, and it, there was one created. It was cut. You can watch it on deleted scenes. Uh, this episode ran 10 minutes long. So th- there could have been, for all we know, there could have been that piece of dialogue in there saying, George, come play for the team because someone's gone we don't know i mean 10 Mm. minutes from a 22 minute episode i think this one came in at 24 minutes 10 minutes is a lot to have to cut if you're just trimming little one minute here to you know seconds here yeah you're right that is uh okay interesting i will have to go watch that stand up yeah so all right uh while kramer is running in with the pineapple that he got the pineapple italian ice he got for bet uh george crushes the ball and he's running he's running through you know he's kind of stumpy little running but you know he's actually running pretty quick <laughs> so <laughs> they get <laughs> and i'm not gonna lie i love the way bet midler made like how she made her broken body on the fence like with yes. her, she kind of put her leg back like she actually tried to make it look she like good. she was yes. broken it was funny George- that was a good gag George is running, obviously, yes, as you already spoiled, running for the oh. inside the park home run, and he plows over the catcher, Bette Midler, who's crowding the plate, which, in my opinion, is her fault for cloud- crowding the plate. But, yes, he trucks her over, and, yeah, she she fucking, like, flops, like, you know, just dead body style ragdoll uh, <laughs> towards the fence, and, and she's just kind of there. So, it's great. Uh, yeah. We do hear Larry David's voice. Oh my God, Bet's hurt. I don't know if you noticed that one. <laughs> no, yes. no, I, di- yeah. I didn't. But I did notice one of uh, Bet's team members was uh, Michael McDonald from Mad TV. I saw that in the credits, but I didn't. I didn't see him for he some was, reason. He he was just right here when they go get George. Like just really, really quick, barely okay. could see him. You, you see his crazy baby blue eyes for like one yeah. split second. Yeah, but Mad yep. TV was never a show that I really watched. But I know he was kind of like a a standout person on that show. He was. He was probably. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Adam just took a drink and just—I saw that it was like a movie. He was just like, "Whoa!" So I was just—I just finished a, a bottle that I had before, and it was delicious. And so I just did a neck pour of another bottle that I quite like. But I just took this—the first sip—and I was just like, "Ugh!" That did not—it t- didn't taste what I was expecting because I just had the Maker's Mark 101 in my mouth, and then now I'm switching to 1792 Small Batch, and I was like, "The fuck is that?" It looked like you got punched by a ghost. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. Uh, Michael McDonald, not the um, singer from the Doobie Brothers. But, right. Yeah, but that guy from uh, Mad TV is very funny. Uh, so, all right. Uh, Kramer comes in and kind of like, you know, grabs her head and, you know, he tells her he'll take care of her. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I like that. I, I don't know. So, yes, I don't know why Bette Midler's in this, but. I like that she's down in the dirt, you know, acting like a dead body. I like that, you know, yeah. Michael Richards is cradling her head, his her head into like his armpit. Like I like that Bette Midler said okay to these things. Like that, it makes me like her more, even though I don't get why she's in this episode. Yeah, you know what? You're right. This episode makes me like her more as yeah. a person. Yeah. Does it like me like this episode more? No. Yes. There you go. Exactly. So. All right. Um, we also get a very almost Benny Hill shot of wide angle, like this very wide shot of George and Jerry running and all these people running after them, you know, because they hurt Bette Midler. You know, it wasn't sped up like Benny Hill. Yeah. But I got that yeah. vibe and I was just like, what the fuck is this? Yep. hundred percent. Didn't didn't fit. Didn't feel right. But definitely understood the Benny Hill vibe. Yeah. All right. At the apartment, they find out about 
bet being out of the musical because she is uh, hurt. She won't be able to do it. So now, you know, the understudy will have to step in. She comes over and thanks them because apparently bet was a real bitch, you know, to them. <laughs> they kind of set a little bit of that up. Um, and she's so happy. She ends up crying again. And I do kind of like George and Jerry behind the background. You have to fight over who's going to console her. Of course it's fucking Jerry. Um, but it's just like, again, he does not want to do it. Yeah. So, uh, Kramer comes in and Kramer tries to come in. He's like, he, and he I gets, didn't like this. Well, I, the only thing I liked, cause he unlocks all the locks. The callback thing. I like the callback to the ring, to the, to the ring chain that, that Kramer has. Uh, yes. And, and, but and that's him it. Have, and the episode of the, about the keys that yeah. him having Jerry's keys. Yeah. But we get to see, cause he's, Kramer's got this giant ring chain. And I like the fact that they, they use the same one over again. It's but weird. It just, I, it, I, I like these little bits and pieces of this episode but i don't like the whole you know yeah there was there was a shot there were shots that just didn't fit and there was that shot of like it tilting yeah. down or you know as as we're going through the different locks that he's unlocking mm-hmm. i'm just like this just does not feel seinfeld to me Mm-mm. this feels like a silly dumb city that seems like i don't know like a home improvement kind of thing or mm-hmm. or a, a i don't know some other like more farcical show and yeah. not seinfeld no no I don't. I don't know why I threw out Home Improvement, but it was a sitcom during this time. Okay, <laughs> don't throw Home Improvement under the bus. I it like did Home nothing to okay? you. <laughs> I know. I, I liked know. Home Improvement too. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. But yes, Kramer comes in, and he angrily yells at all three of them for hurting Bet, basically. And he gets you a know, cheer and, from the audience. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I, the thing is his performance wasn't that great at yelling at them. I guess maybe just because it was a bit of a long monologue of him yelling. I don't know. I feel like it was a cheer that was deserved earlier in the season for because we've called out multiple times a season how like, oh, Kramer should have got a cheer for that. I think it was just an over. I think they were like, you know what? This is the season finale. You guys have fun with it. Whatever you want to have, whatever you want to cheer for, go for it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Elaine goes to the salon with Frank. They're making fun of Frank in Korean. And, and he uh, ends up, you know, picking up on that, of course. And he yells at them. Someone from the back recognizes the voice. And then she starts telling the story of this affair she had back in Korea. And immediately I thought to myself, why am I hearing her side of the story? I I do kind of wish they would have had some actual edit, some more editing here where she would have been like, oh, that's familiar. Um, and then instead of them diving right into her backstory, which solidifies she's talking about Frank, cut back and forth, cut back to Frank talking and then back to her. Um, I don't know. It's just it just might be me, me being nitpicky. But like I didn't I didn't need all of her validation. Her saying I recognize that voice is all the validation we need. Yeah, the, the only part I would want to keep is when she says, like, the way he Couldn't talks, like, like how oh, he yeah, talks, yeah. like, it's a very abrupt way. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. Actually, uh, Jerry Stiller does talk with this, like, weird, abrupt yes. ending. Uh, but I other mean, than that... Bad. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's just me being nitpicky. It's no, not, no. It wasn't bad scene. No, no, I think you're right, because I'm sitting there, and, 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 it, it, and the way the scene plays out... Another lady has to come in and say, this guy doesn't want to take off his shoes either. And that's what kind of gets her out there. I think that this scene was like plotted and blocked out totally wrong. I think it was scripted totally wrong. Uh, And that was my feeling going into this. And you really just kind of said how I think it would be better. Make it quick. Yeah. Make it it, fucking quick. And then all I recognize that voice and then cut to her coming out later. And that would have been just as fine. Because because also, I got nothing wrong with her. I want to see Frank. I don't want to see her yeah. talk about Frank. I want to yeah. see Frank talk. If anything, just like with the Korean episode that we're going to get later, uh, show us a flashback maybe or something, which is funny. Give Frank, yeah. you know, like a wig. And I love that kind of <laughs> yes. shit, you know, when they don't try to, yeah. you don't do anything else but give like an old actor a wig or something. It'd be funny, you know, but like yeah. I didn't want to see her talk about Frank Costanza. I want to see Frank Costanza. Yes, I do want to call her out. Her name is Amy Hill, and she is an awesome character yeah. actor. Yeah. I can guarantee 
everyone has seen her before. She has nearly 200 credits. She's great. And, and she's not bad. It's just the way that they, they right, the way they blocked it out didn't work. If anything, I would wish we saw her have a better role than this. Because, yeah, yeah dude, I recognize her. I love her anytime she pops up. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's her from Seinfeld. I love her. I just mm. wish she had more to do this episode. Yep, I agree. Uh, Elaine ends up getting kicked out of the salon. She's kind of, you know, whatever, sad about that because they do such great nails. That's her only reasoning. Uh, then the woman comes from the back and sees Frank, and, you know, they're kind of reunited. Obviously, the woman he had an affair with. Uh, Kramer, we see he dotes over Bet at the hospital, acting like her personal assistant kind of thing. Um, she's eating it up. But she's also, we do see that she's kind of a bitch in there. Just little things. She's a good actress, and she does a good little things. It's just little facial movements that it's just like, Oh, wow, you are playing like you are a, you know, a real cunt. Um, <laughs> but overall, you're you're pretty, you know, it's funny. It's and, funny. And again, I love that Beth Midler did this, even though I don't yes. necessarily maybe love the episode, but I love that she did this. And that yeah, I love it anytime actors play themselves, but in sort of like more dickish like sort of roles. I love that. Did you ever watch The Bee in Apartment 23? Uh no, I like Kristen Ritter. I like Kristen Ritter a lot. Yeah, me too. Uh, but, <laughs> but I never watched the show. It was actually really fucking funny. And uh, 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 Vanderbeek, um, you know, Dawson's Creek, he, he plays himself, but he plays, like, the worst version of himself. And he is the best, like, best and main reason aside from Kristen Ritter to watch uh, to watch it. And see, real quick, she's not related to John Ritter at all, right? No, okay. not, not that I know okay. of, yeah. But you're right. They, those kind of things, when people have a sense of humor about yeah, themselves yeah. and they can play themselves in like that kind of shit way. And, and he makes awesome. fun of like Dawson's Creek and stuff like yeah. he, he knows he's Dawson. Like it's 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 perfect. And I love that yeah. shit. OK. You know what I have to complain about? I'm only about halfway through my fucking notes. There's so many goddamn scenes in this episode. It's pissing me off. I know, dude. I know. All right. Anyway, Elaine, this I hate this scene. Mainly because Elaine's on the street. It's raining and she's just crying terribly. And I'm like, why? Over a fucking nail salon? Like, you should be stronger than that, Elaine. This doesn't make any sense. You got kicked out of a fucking nail salon. There's a bajillion in New York City. And she's just like so distraught, which she actually didn't even seem all that distraught earlier. She was just upset because it was the best one. And then now she's just crying like incessantly. And it's raining, but she ends up running into Jay Peterman. Yeah. Yay, Yay. We know he's going to become a bigger person. So it's kind of like, okay, we're gaining a Jay Peterman. That's kind of okay. But, like, I just felt Elaine was really, really worthless in this scene. Or, like, just in general. Like, her character was kind of pathetic. I completely agree. I did not like the way Elaine was treated in this episode at all. And uh, if anything, I mean, fucking pepper in throughout the season that that Elaine loves this manicurist place. Give us something earlier in the season to set this up. But this has no setup whatsoever other than Jerry's girlfriend cries. So now Elaine has to cry it's that's the tie-in. It's it's fucking terrible. It fucking sucks. Although I mean, I love seeing Jay Peterman. Don't get me wrong, uh, and everything. I love that, but uh, I they're doing Elaine dirty here. To be honest with you, yeah. So, um, and I and I want to see. I I love the Elaine that fucking stabs guys in the forehead. Yes! you know for saying. You know what I mean? Like that's the Elaine that I fucking yeah, the, want. The one, you know? who, the one who stands up to Poppy. Yeah. The one who will fight Frank Costanza coming up. Yeah. That's my Elaine. Yeah, dude. So, like, Elaine walking, like, down the street in the rain because of a fucking manicurist? Like, I, I don't know, man. Like you said, she's stronger than that. I, I think that's a – they're betraying her character in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean? Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, 
Well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. All right, another scene that I ultimately don't end up enjoying. Uh, They're in a taxi. George and Jerry's in the taxi. They pick up this understudy who is being, like, berated berated by uh, these Bette Midler fans. They're actually, again, she almost cries, but this time Jerry's like, ah, fuck it. And he's like, you know, just stop yelling. And George responds similarly. Um, They're... I didn't pick up on it all that much, but it obviously makes a bunch of sense. They're doing a parody of the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding thing. Because, like, as if the understudy hired somebody to hurt the main person. Uh, That's exactly what they're doing here. Um, And I, I, I get it. And it was very topical at the time, so it was probably funnier at the time. Here in 2021, it, it didn't play as well, but I do understand what they're doing. Did you ever watch that Tanya movie with Margot Robbie? I did. I thought it was pretty damn good. Yeah, me too. I thought of, actually, I actually thought it was really fucking good. Um, yep. The only the only thing of note of this scene, uh, that cab driver is the one that says, "Yes, revenge is very good." Like like I think like four or five episodes ago, I called him out. Oh. I said, "Ah, oh, I laughed because he he agreed revenge oh, is good." So he was he was a cab driver earlier. Yeah, yeah, too? He was the same cab. He was a cab driver as well. Oh. Um, I forgot. Okay. I think it was Elaine or Jerry. Or, I think it was Elaine wanted to have revenge, and he was like, "Yes, revenge, very good." Okay. Yeah. Well, now he's upset at them because uh, they're the people that hurt Bette Midler, and so now he kicks them out. So, Yep. All right. All right. Uh, Peterman and Elaine are talking at, like, a restaurant. Uh, she ends up impressing him with her overly ridiculous description of her clothes. They're very touchable. Um, would you find her clothes touchable? Corey? I I find her touchable, but <laughs> I don't I don't particularly care for clothes one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> they made it seem like the J. Peterman catalog is a is a re a thing in the real world, but it's not, right? No, it is. It's actually out of uh, Lexington, oh, Kentucky, and not um not New York. The J. Peterman catalog is a legit thing. Is it with like these ridiculous things and these overt stories about clothes, like that are just like, you know uber um you know uh uh fantasized and, yeah like, have these ridiculous you know overt stories about yeah so yeah so he is a real person um it's it's based out of lexington kentucky not um new york like they're doing here but yes it is a real thing he has a catalog and i think that is the joke he he you know makes them all overly descriptive and you know it makes it sound like if you're gonna buy this shirt you're gonna be tricking through myanmar it's yeah it's just like okay. steinbrenner is a real person but there it's a parody of him J. Peterman's the same way. Okay, good to know. I didn't know because I don't. I go to fucking like Goodwill and Walmart for my clothes. Yeah, I, so. yeah, I go to Target and Walmart. Um, if my yep. sh- my shirts, my my pants are like, I have two pairs of jeans. That's all I own, and then I have a gazillion fucking printed T-shirts, all from like cavity colors, and, and they're all like horror movie or Star Wars, you know, something on there. <laughs> yes. So, or. Here's to feeling good all the time. You have that shirt, too. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Our buddy Jeff gave me that one. Oh, good times. Uh, all right. Uh, Frank and Kim are driving, and we get a little callback, another callback, where he stops short 
while they're driving, and he very aggressively grabs her shirt, her chest, I mean. It's not like he uh, hit a... I wish he would have hit a speed bump, because I thought he was going to hit a speed bump like the other times yeah. we've seen people doing that thing, and then he hit it, and then he grabs them. But, like, he just stopped short very aggressively and then went for it, and so... But, but that's his move. We heard that before. That's his move. Like, uh, again, call, call back the episode is what it's called. Yep. And then uh, what sucks that, because she's like, oh, I don't like that. And now I'm done. And now it's over. That's like, it. Like you waited. You remembered this man for so long. And, and you know what I mean? Like she had yeah. such fond memories when she was talking about him. And then bada bing, bada boom, that's it. It's over. Like, I mean, yeah, he's that's a yep. dick move, I guess, for him to do a stop short like that. But I mean, damn. Yeah. I mean, I get it. But like. It does. It, it doesn't do us justice. Yeah. You know, I get in the real world. Yeah, someone grabs your boob that you're not ready for it. Right. Sure, you're fucking done with them. Cross the line. But as an audience member, that we we were set up and ended so fucking quickly with that with her that it's just like, oh wow, that really was completely unnecessary. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. All right, then we get another callback fucking city. Uh, this one, callbacking, call, calling back to Fusilli Jerry, where Kramer this time makes macaroni midler. That's, I like uh, that. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, it's fine. Sure. <laughs> and she sings a little bit from the Rochelle Rochelle show. And uh, then uh, Jerry, we see Jerry and George in the understudy want to come and apologize, but Kramer refuses to let them in. Uh, so they head out to go try and grab security so they can come in and set some things straight. But Kramer wants to take her to somewhere only he knows no one will get her. And uh, so he basically kidnaps her. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. did you notice the wallpaper in that in that uh, hospital was just unbelievably atrocious? <laughs> I, I got nothing else I to didn't. add to the scene. <laughs> it's- not a great scene. So. No, not it's uh, and then like them taking her out. It's it's a, it's like a Godfather callback or something. But eh, yeah. I didn't really care. No, Elaine. Uh, we see then apparently invited the Korean women from the salon to the uh, Rochelle Rochelle show. We can only assume to get back in their good graces to get back into the salon. Okay. Um, she also tells uh, Jerry about getting the job and with Jay Peterman and meeting Jay Peterman, that kind of thing. And I love how Jerry right. gives her the get out sort of push, you know, I, yeah, I love how of. now it's become such an Elaine thing that when Jerry does it to Elaine now, and it's funny. It, I remember the crowd really liked that yeah. as well. So, all right. Uh, Jerry talks with the understudy before the show says, break a leg, all that kind of stuff. Uh, some guy comes in and ends up giving him some shit about the bed midler thing, which was again, unnecessary. I don't, really know what the point of that was uh but we find out also that the um understudy her grandmother died she got a letter and her grandmother died but someone who we've seen cry over every little thing is unfazed by this yeah that's kind of fucking weird that's 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 actors for you man they they have... yeah but it also did, it didn't they didn't it didn't go anywhere no i know they did nothing with it it I... didn't make any fucking sense to even put it in here i know and I, I hate it but at the same time i do think it's a very truth truthful thing about actors they yes. are hollow shells that only cry on cue and actually have no feelings for people yeah and maybe it's the good actors so she is not one of them no so no all right in the audience, everyone is upset that Bette Midler isn't in the show, and the Korean women get mad, um, and they leave. And so, obviously, Elaine cries? Gonna Question ha- mark? I don't know. I saw that she was sad. That's all I wrote down. I don't know. Again, I don't—this is fucking—Elaine, this is weak Elaine. Yeah. This is— Low tier lane, and I'm not. I don't like it. I hate weak lane, dude. It's like it's almost as if they don't know how to write her in these episodes. Yep. So the credits start rolling, and we uh, see that the understudy is fucking up a little bit. She her uh, shoelaces are untied, and she starts crying because of it. Tanya Harding. And, yeah, another Tanya Harding re- reference. And um, you know, part of me is like, how the fuck did she get this far? There's no goddamn way she would have gotten this far, you know, because shit doesn't always go right in live performances. So how did she be even become this understudy to Bette Midler? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just yeah. a she's a punchline to make fun of Tanya Harding 
Right. I mean, God, what what year was that Olympics? I mean, this is ninety four. Okay, so it's 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 literally right now, like when they're filming. Yeah. Like it it's really topical for for mm-hmm. the time, but not for. I mean, even though we get the reference now, but it just now it's just like now it's all right. When you do something as a reference, where it's just a reference, over time it's going to be gone, and now you're left with nothing because it's not. This scene wasn't done for a plot of the show; it was done as a zeitgeist reference to what was happening with Tanya Harding, yeah. and I think that's the wrong way to ever create anything. You don't do it as a reference, you know, because you're going to yeah. date it, and you're going to. It's going to be a timely thing where it's not going to be evergreen, and and this I mean, isn't evergreen long, because of that. Not long ago, we had what that Kramer driving the white Bronco. Kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, it, very similar. Yeah. It was super zeitgeist with OJ. Yeah. And yes, even that is probably a little bit more obvious and known, but it dies over time. Yeah, it does. It, it gets, it gets, you get a diminished return on stuff like that. And I think it's a, it's a cheap way to write. And I think you should, you can incorporate references into your writing, but don't make your punchline the reference. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. God. All right, and then we get this uh, an actual tag here where Kramer is singing behind his door the song from Rochelle Rochelle. It's him, and then Bette Midler comes in. Jerry is like, it's just in the hall. We're not seeing them. Uh, he kind of looks at the door, opens the door, looks at them, and he kind of does the whole nah to himself and walks in, and it's just like, okay. I, I do not find Bette Midler attractive at all, but I do hope that Cosmo Kramer had sex with her. <laughs> you know what? That's... That yeah, obviously he took her to take care of her at his place yeah. where no one could get to her. But hopefully, I don't think she would though. Probably not. Probably not. No. All right, you start off the last one, right? So I'm gonna get going on this one. Yeah, because I don't have much good to say. So so <laughs> have at it, buddy. This episode <laughs> was hot fucking garbage. All right, here's my first issue with this episode. Rochelle Rochelle is a young woman's erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. Young woman. Bette Midler is fantastic. And she can do a lot of things. But play a young woman is not one of them. And they didn't even do it in like a funny, ironic way. It wasn't funny in like that ironic way where, where Bette Midler's playing it. It's like they were just flexing and having Bette Midler on the episode for no other reason than it's Bette Midler. Did I like Bette Midler more? Yes. We've established that. She, massive props to her. Did I like the episode more for having her in it? Fuck no. It didn't make any sense. This just didn't have the right feel of Seinfeld. Besides that, the shot use. Some of the scenes were even faster than before. Like, they were just, god damn it, there was so much. One sentence, or one little quick thing from Kramer, then back, and then just other thing back. It just, it felt like I was just, my brain was spinning a little bit with this episode. Not having the stand-up really fucking hurt things in this episode. And it started things off poorly because we had we had a stand-up right before this in the episode previous. It's like, why the fuck would you start here? Start in the next one. This is weird. I need my stand-up. So I'm disappointed by all that. Elaine caring so much about the nail place was fucking pathetic. It pissed me off. It made me angry for her character. George being on the team frustrated me. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it frustrated me, and they should have set it up properly. They should have just brought him in um, as a stand-up or a stand-in or a fill-in or whatever it is. Um, Kramer was okay. I didn't dislike Kramer. His infatuation with Bette Midler, I think, kind of fits the character. He's eccentric like that, but it was mediocre at best. It was not good. The saving grace is Frank. I like Frank Costanza. He's funny. His stop short was weird. But I still liked him in it. And that's why I only ended up giving this one a one out of five macaroni middlers. Oh, my God. Is this as low as the trip for you? It ties the trip part one. Now, I originally gave this a 1.5. But even before we started recording, I was like, you know what? No. No. No, Adam. This is my least favorite episode of the season. I'm going to fucking say it now. This is a 1.5 or one out of five, not a 1.5. So, yeah, dude. I give it. One, yeah, one out of five macaroni middlers. Well, yeah, dude. And I'm sticking to it. Hey, I I, I respect that, my friend. Uh, you know what's weird? 
This is one of those episodes, if yesterday you asked me, hey, did you like that Bed Midler episode of Seinfeld? I'd be like, yeah, sure. I thought it was fun. It was good shit, right? This was one of those episodes that under a critical eye does not hold up for every single reason that you just stated. I, I'm not going to reiterate them because I feel exactly the same way as you. Um, I will say, though, I, I will reiterate the fact that it is interesting that I liked Bette Midler in this, but I didn't like sort of what they yeah. did with her. You know what Dead I mean? On. But I, I give I give Bette Midler props for doing it, and and that was and I and I find her more endearing because of it. But ultimately, mm-hmm. what what's the point of any of it? You know what I mean? Ultimately, it doesn't. It was it made for a bad episode, and I would rather have Bette Midler, you know, exercise from this episode and have a better episode than keep her in it. You know what I mean? And, dude, I mean, you, you fucking nailed everything that, that I was going to say about it. Don't really have much more to add to it. My score plummeted dramatically from us discussing it, though not as bad as yours, and I'm going to have to give this one two callbacks out of five. So many callbacks. So many Almost fucking callbacks, man. They were forced, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Really fucking weird. And, and, you know, not even to mention the fact that, like, you know, me, like, a lot of the episode takes place, like, on the baseball field. So I'm like, that's a little wonky, you know. But, uh, damn, dude. What a rough. What's weird. I That's a whole other thing. I didn't love any of the stuff on the baseball field because it just, again, didn't feel Seinfeld. Didn't feel Seinfeld. Fucking Jerry Seinfeld's got a fucking you know, a nose thing going on, like a cold, a summer cold or something. Yeah, man, this episode was fucking, what a way to end the season, man. I mean, and we're going to, we're going to talk about the season as a whole next episode, of course, but we got to talk about the finale now because it's the finale of this season. Uh, We're setting up Jay Peterman. Obviously we're setting up Elaine and Jay Peterman for next season, which is cool, which is, seems like her thing. Cause we got set up with, uh, uh, you know, her new job, uh, I think at the end of last season two or whatever, but it seems like Elaine goes into a new season with a new job. Well, yeah, the, the last season she uh, was left stranded without a job, and then we started right. off the season getting her in okay. to, with that one episode. And it'll be fun to see Jay Peterman. We all love Jay Peterman, but what a way to end the season, dude. Like, I, I just want to get your thoughts on, like, the episode, how it pertains to the season, not the season as a whole, or not like your thoughts on the season as a whole, but just as the way this buttons up the season. It it disappointed me um, heavily because, yeah, like I was knowing the Bette Midler episode. Like I, I, same with you. If I thought to myself, "Oh wow, do you like the Bette Midler episode?" Of course, it's the Bette Midler episode. Yeah. That's pretty good. And then you break it down, and you're like, "No, no, that's not that's not good." That's not good. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. You, you know what's it's, funny? Um, I, I I think this episode is probably the biggest difference from what I thought it was going to be to what it actually was. Yeah, I can, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, but man, what yeah, a we, and we we've we've talked about that before with um, other episodes. Uh, I can't remember which one is coming straight to my mind. Um, it might have been, might have been the soup. Or it might have been uh, something oh, yeah. else that was that we were like, I can't I can't remember what it was, but there were some that we were like, oh man, there are some great moments in here that are like classic Seinfeld moments, but then you actually watch the episode and you're like, oh, that's really just the only funny part of the episode. Yeah, and so it makes you wonder: Are we getting? clouded by those clip show moments uh moving forward uh you know obviously we'll have to see uh obviously we'll discuss the season as, as a whole next uh ep- next next week next episode but what a shame to end on this one and because we recorded you know the previous episode just just an hour prior what a shame to end on like these last two just not as strong as it was so that's a shame that's a shame. Yeah, that's right. But you know what's never a shame? Action, action podcast, or talking back, or people don't forget. You know, the ones that you and I are not on, those are fucking great. Those are awesome shows, and we hope you guys check out all the shows in the BFOP network. You want to give us some give some love to uh, people don't forget, buddy? We know that y'all love me and Corey, and so you're listening to every episode of... 
Podcasting After Dark, Throwback Trivia Takedown, and Blast From Our Past. We know that because Corey and I are awesome. But, you know, all the other hosts on the shows that are on the Beefop Network are great hosts as well. So, people don't forget, it is a fantastic little show hosted by Scott Grimes, who is a really cool dude. He uh, also does sports trivia, but he is passionate about his nostalgic loves. He is a big fan of like the early 2000s, late 90s stuff. So if you guys want to get in on the ground level of a podcast, make sure you check out People Don't Forget. And uh, tell us a little bit about talking back from our crazy Canadians up north. <laughs> yeah, dude. Our brothers from another mother up north, Tim and Dean. Oh, man, they're just cranking out some good shit. Uh, they'll go through, like, a whole series a lot of times. They'll, they'll talk about, like, every movie in the Predator franchise. They're going through, like, all the Alien movies. Uh, that includes Prometheus. Uh, I think the only one thing they haven't covered yet is Covenant. And, uh... They're having fun, man. They're cool dudes. I love their dynamic. They're brothers, just like you and John. Uh, we have a lot of brothers on this uh, on this network. Action, action. We got some brothers on that one as well. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and they're Canadian. Also from Canada. Yeah, also from Canada, you know. So, ch- check out our Canadian brothers up there up north, man. Talking back in action, action. And if you like action movies, those guys, those cats have been around for three years now. And they've got this, uh, they're building basically a full list uh, of, of action movies and, like, where they rank and everything. Everything. And you can actually follow along on this uh, website called Letterboxd um, and, and kind of like follow the list along. And it, it's, a, it's it's kind of a cool, interactive way to enjoy the podcast. So please check out both of those. Uh, please check out all the shows in our in the BFOP network, also known as the Beefop. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I don't know. I say it so much. What the, why the fuck would you say it that weird way? I like. I don't know. I was trying to mix it up, man. Beefop. Yeah, thank you. Because you know what? Seinfeld mixed it up this episode, and we hated that. <laughs> You're so right. You're right. I hate what stick, I said Stick prior. to your lane, Corey. <laughs> You're right. You're 100% right. And, uh... All right, guys and gals, we will see you next week with our season six wrap-up review. Rochelle, Rochelle. We did that last time, too. (laughs) Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.